Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're in the doghouse, our meeting place to talk Mississippi State Bulldog Athletics here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Murray, and it's time for the next edition of the doghouse, this one titled, How Long for Howland? Nope, not trying to be cute because there's nothing cutesy about the situation Bulldog basketball finds itself in after Wednesday night's loss at South Carolina. We talked going into the week, uh, that game in particular, it was one of those must-win games for Mississippi State, along with the two previous games at Missouri, which the Bulldogs did win. Gained a little positive momentum there, certainly a lot of more positive feelings about the season because it put some goals back into realistic reach. Now, however, the Bulldogs are 16-12. and 12. They're back under 500 SEC play at 7-8 and eight with three games left. So most of the good feelings and certainly all that momentum uh, from sweeping Missouri, who, by the way, is 13th in the league at this point, have pretty much evaporated. Now, let's get to the official stuff. Mississippi State is still 7th in the SEC standings, tied for 7th in a three-way deadlock at the moment. However, the breaks would all go the other way. So if the SEC tournament was starting today, which it's not, the Bulldogs would be a number 9 seed. Now, They've got three games left to fix that. So we can't simply go ahead and write off the rest of the season. I know that's very tempting at this point, uh, very frustrating because it's been coming for a time. Let's go as far back as October when the season, you know, preseason was underway, practices were starting, trying to work some new players in. You looked at the overall talent. You saw the returning guys. You read the reputations of the transfers and the freshmen. And more so, you're looking at the previous six seasons on Ben Howland. Okay, we always should add, let's write off the first season, possibly even two seasons, and let's just judge Howland based on the past four seasons and this one, and just call it a five-season tenure because it was such a total rebuild job. Still, the expectations were NCAA or bust. At this point, State is certainly not in the NCAA tournament, but neither are they so far away as we can just arbitrarily say on February 24th, no, they're not going anywhere. The coaching change is automatic. I will go on record saying that uh, they are far enough away that it's going to be a very difficult shot to make the NCAAs for only the second time in Howland's tenure here. And because of that fact, yes, every expectation is now there will be a coaching change at the end of the season, whether it's called a retirement, a resignation, whatever. We certainly expect it. That's why the old hot board is finally fired up on jeanspage.com. We've had it ready for a while, to be honest, but Steve Robertson, is beginning it now with the What We're Hearing notes. You can find that at the top of the thread on the basketball board on jeanspage.com, by the way. And some interesting notes about whose state will not be pursuing, and a couple of names already being kicked around out there. I will caution you when reading it, don't take what anything, anything said or written by us moderators and site writers that we call confirmed, and there ain't no such thing. There's only two people on the Mississippi State campus who can confirm anything. They ain't talking. They may give you a look or a gesture that kind of agrees with what you're asking, but they're not talking, and rightly so. Simply because, again, this season is not over. There are three games left. We just can't write it off. We do have to put in a whole lot of cautions, though. If we Maybe it just falls under the we've seen stranger things happen heading, but... It means that few expect it, well, I'll say none expect it, and few think it's even practical to happen right now that State will go on a real end-of-season terror and just change the outlook for Howland and his staff entirely around. 
first off, because they're playing Auburn next week. Let's just go ahead and write that one off. Even if Auburn, who has lost a couple of games lately, walked into Humphrey Coliseum and played their worst game possible, they are about the worst matchup possible for Mississippi State. A big shot blocker inside who can shut down anything State wants to do. Enough athleticism to torment State on the perimeter offensively. And right now, State's not playing great out there, as you've seen from the shooting statistics. And on their own end of the court, Auburn can score just about any way possible. So let's just go ahead and concede that one. That makes this weekend's game with Vanderbilt noon in Humphrey Coliseum and the regular season finale against Texas A&M winnable, but still that only leaves State at 18 and 13 and still leaves them break-even in the SEC. Now, that's good. Break-even in this year's SEC is a laudable achievement. It's not good enough, though. The team should be 10-8 and eight at minimum based on the schedule, and they're not. South Carolina was a very beatable game. South Carolina played very badly last night. Watching it, I was unable to attend personally because I got sick at the last minute. And it saved me a trip and probably saved me a lot of frustration there as well. But South Carolina played a very bad basketball game, and Mississippi State simply didn't take advantage of it. They got out physical, as Coach Ben Howland says, and, and that hurts his own pride because he is very proud of the way his teams play defense and play hard physically in offense, and South Carolina just beat them at that. That is entirely frustrating. State didn't shoot the ball well. Iverson Molinar has gone to something of a late-season slump by his standards, and those standards are pretty doggone high. But still, he's not scoring the way he was. He's taking a lot of forced shots. And just Tolu Smith was totally out of his game last night, particularly on the defensive end. Howland had a pretty interesting comment there about the fact that uh, Tolu did not have any offensive rebounds when he said, well, he had 34 chances to get them. That was the coach taking a shot, both at his own player for not going after those boards, fairly so, but he's also pointing out his team didn't shoot well. So you wonder sometimes about some of these post-game comments. That was on radio, by the way, not in the official press conference. So anyway, back to the general overall picture. State, at best, we think, will finish 18 wins regular season. They could win a couple games in the SEC tournament, depending on their seeding. And like I said, right now they'd be number nine. Say they finish up uh, break-even, 9-9 in SEC, that's probably about where they end up, depending on the tie breaks, because it really is a big messed-up, mixed-up middle in the conference right now with three games left for everybody. But the 20-win mark will require getting a couple of rounds deep into the SEC tournament. Now, should they reach 20 wins, will they broke it even in the SEC and get in a seating position for a win or two at Tampa? You know, in other years, those would be acceptable benchmarks for any season. Most seasons, in fact. For this campaign and this ball club, those should be the very lowest end of expectations because this is a very good basketball team, talent-wise, individually, they have some really good players out there. And by the way, I did a little digging today. Uh, I haven't studied this team as closely as I should have, but looking through the roster, I was kind of surprised and maybe all the more frustrated to realize this is a mature ball team. Not, maybe not mature at Mississippi State because there's so many transfers involved this year. But let's look at the ages of this team. Garrison Brooks, he'll turn 23 at the end of June, long after the season's over, but still, he's 22 and a half years old. Iverson Molinar, he's already 22 years old. DJ Jeffries, 22. Javian Davis is 22. He'll turn 23 in September. Rocket Watts and Shaquille Moore, they're already 21. Tolu Smith is 21. He turns 22 this summer. The kids on the team 
are Cam Matthews and Cam Carter. They're the only teenagers, really, on the roster who play any realistic minutes. So this, by no stretch of the imagination, can be called a young or inexperienced basketball team. Now, again, because of the transfers and the new players, they're not experienced playing with each other, at least they weren't when the season began, and Tolu Smith has missed enough games where it's, it's still impacting him. As Ben Howland correctly mentioned, he gets to these games and maybe doesn't have the lift he needs because he missed so much the season, and only the season can truly condition a ball player. At the same time, you've got to look at this and say, by basketball standards, this is a mature team. Now that gets into the perennial question of, are you a good basketball team if you're an old team because it means you're not losing players to the pros? I don't, that doesn't apply to this bunch. They've got enough age, they've got enough maturity, and they've got enough talent that 20 wins should be a given for this team. Finishing over the 500 in the SEC should be a given. Yes, the SEC is arguably the first or second best conference in the country. The Big 12 has its own argument. And I think here in the late season, maybe the Big 12 is coming on a little stronger than the SEC. But still, SEC is a very good conference this year. State should still finish 500 or better in this league, and they're not going to quite get there. That's just not acceptable. Now, okay, I, I hate it when people write that on the boards, and now I hate myself for saying it, because what can we do but accept it? <laughs> we're not coaching. We're not playing. No, what I mean by that is it's a mark of frustration for everybody involved. Let's take a quick look at the remaining games. We mentioned Auburn, so let's just go ahead and write that one off. Vanderbilt is one game behind State in the SEC standings, and they've lost three of their last four contests. The Commodores have played better, though, down the stretch, a good bit better in February. They've been competitive in their losses. They've won a couple of games uh, back in mid-February. So you can't just go ahead and assume State's going to knock them off come noon Saturday. They should win. But then again, how many games should State have won that have gotten away from them? You let that game get away and just go ahead and scratch the rest of the season. Win it, and you still are breathing after that in the Auburn games. Also behind, tied with Vanderbilt, is Texas A&M. They're an opposite case. They were the surprise of the SEC back in January, but then they lost eight straight games. However, they're starting to show a little bit of life lately. They upset Florida the other day. They whipped a terrible, and I mean a truly terrible Georgia team. And their one loss in the last three is to, you guessed it, Vanderbilt. Whether that's a good thing for State or a bad thing, we'll, we'll know sometime uh, Saturday afternoon. So, it's yes, it's time to fire up the hot seat. Maybe it was time weeks ago, but we're showing some restraint on the site simply because, again, there are things still practical and achievable for this team. And should a lot of things fall together, they could still go on a run. And that's why State's administration has to be cautious at this point. Normally they would not talk anyway, but they're going to be doubly cautious simply because you can't just arbitrarily say it's over, it's done. Oh, it's easy for us media and fans to say it's not going to happen. Go ahead and start looking. And trust me, if you judge by our message board today, oh, the looking has been going on for a while. Steve's going to, be, as I said, be keeping up with that. He and Mike Nemeth will be running the hot board uh, for in the coming days once that really gets up and going. And after Saturday, it may be going full furnace blast at this point. We'll see. The point remains, what do we think of Ben Howland, where he stands right now? Has he restored state to competitiveness? Absolutely. He inherited a complete wreck of a program. He's brought them back to a competitive level. But the simple fact is they seem to have hit the ceiling because this team is better than they're playing. 
That's just simply the flat truth. You know, it'd be a serious shame if this little late-season slump by Iverson Molinar hurts his case for first-team All-ACC. In fact, it will be an insult if he's not one of the top five players in the conference. He has dropped out of the SEC's top free-throwing slot, and I think that's kind of an evidence of wear and tear. He's still great for line, but you saw him miss one or two the other night at um, South Carolina, and you're thinking, yeah, I don't think the legs are there. Well, they shouldn't be. For the full season, he's averaging almost 34 minutes, and it's much higher here in SEC season. The guy is taking a beating, but he has no choice. You've got to have Iverson Molinar on the court, particularly because the rotations at guard now that they're moving Cam Carter into a larger role. And, yeah, he had a couple of hits in his first game as a starter, but he's just not an offensive threat reliably. Shaquille Moore has been a little warmer lately but still runs some cool streaks as well and that's the guy you're counting on rocket watts has not been fully healthy let's give him a little credit there you know molinar is still third in sec scoring the only dog in the top 20 by the way six in shooting 11th in assists but i think that says more about the rest of the offense than it does molinar's passing it also says that molinar's having to take a few more shots maybe than he wants to because other guys are just not working to get in position for him to feed them the ball that they can score do I really need to note that there's not a single dog in the top 15 in SEC and three-pointers made? Yeah. We, we get to the – that's one of the common threads by fans chipping in their ideas about the next coach. They want to see more outside shots. Now, I don't judge a coach strictly by what his offense shows at other places because it's as much about personnel as it is style. There's no question those states should be a better outside offense than they are. And I think part of that, too, is the fact they have moved Garrison Brooks out and he's taking three-pointers, not shooting them very well. But if you put him down there with Tolu Smith inside more often, that would seem to suit State's offensive style more. It's just that Brooks doesn't want to play there. He wants to be outside moving around free. Okay, he's got the talent to do it. DJ Jeffries, very talented ball player, but his shot selections will just drive you crazy at times. He's a little too quick on the jumper particularly the three-point jumper, and they just weren't dropping the other night. Oh, and by the way, speaking a little bit more about South Carolina, I think what frustrated me most was not even the offense as badly as State played there. It was the defense. Again, South Carolina was terrible in so many ways, yet how many backdoor layups did they make because somebody on the front court just let their man slip on behind him into the wide open for the quick entry pass, the layup, or the dunk? Things like that are not typical of Ben Howland teams, and doesn't tell me that the dogs aren't concentrating or aren't focused. It tells me they're tense. They're trying a little too hard in some areas because they, they know they're better. They should be playing better. They feel the pressure to make the NCAA tournament somehow, some way, and they see it slipping out. Effort has never been a problem for this team. Now, next coming games, as you're watching, if you start seeing some lax things happening, that will be the warning sign that the end is nigh. But there's been no lack of effort so far and let's hope they keep it that way because it's going to take every atom of effort they have to finish out the season anywhere close to that 20-win mark um, and much less get in a position to do it at the SEC tournament. Would that be enough? And here we get to the crux of the matter. What is it going to take for Mississippi State to retain Ben Howland going into an eighth season? I don't think you can put a number on it as far as wins at this point unless you say, a, it's got to be the NCAA tournament, and now, B, you not just get the bid, you're second in their tenor, but also got to win a game. 
that would be setting a pretty high bar because if State does manage to slide an NCAA tournament somehow, let's, again, we're talking conceivably. We're not going to rule it out. We're going to say it's possible while admitting it's unlikely. If they do make it, they will at best be an 11th or 12th seed. That means you're playing a 5 or 6 seed up there. Odds will not be good. So in so many ways, you can almost go ahead and say it's over. It's already time to think about who the next coach is going to be. Certainly we fans and media are doing. What are they thinking at the administration level? Again, they've been very quiet, wisely so, because of what is still possible. But we have enough hints to know that there's already been due diligence work being done. In fact, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school to go ahead and state that I know for a fact there's been some of this uh, researching begun as much as two summers ago. Because the 2020 season being cut short like it was gave more time to think, where's it going? What's the future? Now, with the Humphrey Coliseum project just begun, there's going to be a lot of disruption to the Coliseum next year. Not this year. All the work's been done, wiring, plumbing, things like that. Next year's when the hump is really going to be torn up, access more difficult. It's a two-edged sword in some ways. If you do keep the current coach, and there will be lack of enthusiasm for it without just the most momentous transfer and recruiting year imaginable. So it'll be difficulties getting in and out of the game. Would you want to saddle a new coach with that? I think the tendency would be yes. If it were the popular decision and being quite candidly, as much as I like Ben Howland as a man, as much as I appreciate what he's done for this program in these years to restore it to respectability and competitiveness, uh, it's time for new blood. That doesn't mean young blood necessary, but it does mean new blood at this point. And by the way, it's useless for me and most others to sit and discuss, well, what would the roster turnover be? What would he have to play with next year? The existence of the NCAA transfer portal, we've already seen what it's doing to football, but we only are now getting glimpses of how it can totally transform a basketball team in either direction. Remember, State has three transfers playing big roles this season. So State is, Howland and his staff have used the transfer portal very well to get good players out there. But in any coaching change, you know what the tendency will be for younger players to make a move. Now, these transfers, they don't, they're kind of locked in simply because they would have to sit out a year. They don't get that free ride anymore. And, of course, we always have the extra bonus year given by COVID lingering for some older guys. And that's one reason why I mentioned some of those ages, too. You've got to have somebody who wants you, and can you go immediately, or will you have to wait? In most cases, they would have to wait. So anybody who leaves at this point is probably trying to take their best shot at going pro, and other than Molinar, I just don't see it. Of course, Brooks being graduate transfer, he's already done, so that's a moot point. But Molinar's outside shot, that's going to be his weakness as far as the draft boards look at. So he would benefit by coming back for a year if it's the right coach. And frankly, it's hard to see any new coach coming in who will not be more upbeat offensively, which would play to Molinar's style and Shaquille Moore's style and others. You've got the personnel there to move and up-pace offense. I think there'd be some energy factor brought in if it's the right call. But you've got to make if, – if this is going to happen, it must be done quickly. And I'm not even thinking about April recruiting because State signed three players back in November. Now, yes, technically you turn them loose if there's a coaching change realistically. They're going to come to Mississippi State. If you keep this core together, if a new coach comes in and excites them, 
you've got the makings, again, of a good team next year. Certainly you have to replace Brooks. You've got to have some guys start developing at a faster pace. I don't think there's any downside at this point to making a change. I think the negatives of not making a change are very obvious because there's just a general lack of enthusiasm around the program, except for the fact you see what boosters have done in recent years, funding the renovation of the Coliseum. And I use that point because one of the questions on the board is why would somebody come here? First off, state's going to pay very competitively. Second, state is in an infinitely better position than they were when Ben Howland was hired. People know this program will pay. They know this program will bring in players. The transfer portal means any coach can immediately transfer, transform his team. <laughs> transfer, transform. Yeah, it's kind of a cute little saying. The rebuilds will not take nearly as long, with the caveat, obviously, that you may lose a bunch of guys you weren't counting on. But then again, that just opens the door for new talent. And any coach in the college game that State would be interested at looking at is already going to be very familiar knowing what's in the transfer portal and knowing what kind of players he wants to mix with the guys he can convince to come back. So I think all the positives are to go ahead and make the change now. Don't delay it for a year. And, and again, I keep mentioning Humphrey Coliseum. That is proof of the investment in the program. It's going to be disrupted next year, sure. But remember, a lot of that money, not all, but a whole lot of that money was given by fans directly for the project. Those weren't just generic gifts. Those were basketball-specific donations for the new Coliseum renovation. If that doesn't prove commitment to the program, nothing else can. Coaches, candidates who would be coaches, see that and say, Mississippi State is still serious about basketball. Will there be the ego factor of knowing that you're going to be the number three guy on campus behind football and baseball? Yeah, that's always going to be a factor. And you just live with it because we love our baseball at Mississippi State. But you can be right there. And fans have proven they will show up for the games. Women basketball set that tone. And by the way, we have not discussed that coaching search going on. But we'll hit it more in coming weeks because women's basketball is headed to its finish a week early in the men. So we'll be getting to that. Anyway, the hot board is getting warmed up again, and coaching change in all likelihood is coming at Mississippi State, and we're trying to keep you informed about that on jeanspage.com and here on the Doghouse. Quickly, uh, we'll be having another podcast tomorrow ahead of baseball season because the Bulldogs resume play this weekend. They evened up their record with a route, a seven-inning route, of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Thankfully, they were able to squeeze the game in. Scott Foxhall got some more pitchers out on the mound. We saw another revised batting order from Jake Gotro. So now Chris Lamonis has to settle a few things ahead of the weekend. We expect to get a rotation, if not today Thursday, then certainly Friday morning. Game times are 3, 2, and 1 this weekend. Now, here's a reminder. The 2 o'clock game on Saturday follows the noon tip-off for basketball. So basketball should be wrapping up about the time baseball starts, but basketball pro parking does have the priority. There's also the chance of rain on Sunday. Nobody at Mississippi State's talking about it officially yet, but the rain odds are there for Sunday. And so what are the chances State might end up playing a doubleheader? on Saturday. Yeah, I threw it out there. Nobody's talking about it officially, but you know it's already to be considered. That would make the uh, Saturday kind of a super Saturday in a lot of ways because you'd have the basketball game at noon and two baseball games. Well, stay tuned to that. Again, I'm saying possible. I did not make an announcement there, but just stay tuned because baseball and weather 
are our annual consideration. And it's always fun to see people coming up with ideas of, well, let's move here, let's move there. Well, we've got that world-class meteorology department, though I hadn't seen any meteors coming out of them lately, uh, to give us the clues on what to do. So we'll know by tomorrow certainly what the rotation plans are. Should it be the same one, Landon Sims, KC Hunt, and Cade Smith, or do they move Smith up to the Saturday slot and come back with Hunt? Hey, it'd be an easier decision still if you play a doubleheader. Then they're both your Saturday pitchers. Okay, all speculative at this point. Anyway, that's our Thursday edition of the Doghouse. How long for Howland and a brief look at uh, baseball as well. We'll be coming back on Friday with more uh, talk about baseball ahead of the Eastern Kentucky Series. Ben Howland has his press conference tomorrow, I believe about 1230. I'm sure the questions will start coming about his coach situation. And I'll say this for Howland. He will not shy away from that question. He will not be insulted by it. He will handle it like the longtime professional that he is. I'm not concerned about that. And just, just don't worry about it. We'll see if it pops up, and we'll give you a report on that as well if we have it in time to get our podcast done. Until then, that's your Thursday edition of The Doghouse. We'll be talking to you on Friday. This is your host, David Murray, from The Doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.